episode 105 of Fractured Skulls, Terminator Tribes alongside Monoxide. We're back again with another new episode of Monoxide. It's the first day of the fall officially, September 22nd, 2022. How are you feeling? Summer's over. Tired. Tired. Everybody, I got a motor or electric scooter and it's beating the shit out of me. Hopefully my body will adapt to it in due time. That's probably why. Yeah, your body a bit after a while. Just keep driving it, keep putting your ass in that seat, and you'll be fine. There is no seat, it's standing. Oh, standing scooter. Yeah. Well, that does sound exhausting. Yeah, and it takes me about an hour to get to work, but that's 30 minutes shaved off, and no money have to be spent on a bus that sometimes is late as hell and then gets you late to work. Yeah, I know the feeling. At least, at least the days I lived in this city. Oh man, if you lived in, if you live in the uh, open farmland, you guys are having it made. I couldn't live with it personally because it's not what I was brought up to. But oh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a culture shock for you. Oh God, we were there last weekend. Yep. Trump Nation. <laughs> It was, oh my god, what did we, we saw it. Don't Tread on Me the flag, uh, Trump Pence, uh, was, somebody had a uh, Let's Go Brandon shirt, one had a Don't Blame Me, I Voted for Trump, <laughs> and my personal favorite, the smiling face with a Trump toupee that says, uh, when you realize happiness is four more years. Oh, it was great. Well, yeah, that's, that's how it is up here, but I guess we'll get to our first new story. Check it out! HBO Max removes cigarettes and cigars from classic movie posters on its streaming platform. Well, someone got offended. Wait, hold on. They got rid of, as in, like, if there's a movie poster with either a cigarette or a cigar, it's been edited out. Yes. Why? Because tobacco products are bad. Okay. It was normal for a long time, but apparently it's not normal anymore. Dude, we already... Shopped out. Do you? I know that it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, it's quite interesting to say the least that like tobacco is not allowed to promote itself on TV with commercials. But I'm not saying the thing should be outlawed. But if you think that these things shouldn't be sold, why aren't you outlawing them? And I know I, I feel I feel that's what they should be doing. If it's look, cigarettes are bad. Yes, they're bad for you. Healthy eyes. Yes, yes, we know that. But it's not illegal. So. I'm conflicted with that because cigarettes and I don't know about cigars. I would think cigars are the same way. The yes. problem with that is that you're not just affecting your health. You're affecting the health of people around you if you're smoking because of secondhand smoke. Yeah. So it's like you get rid of them because you're not only affecting your health, you're affecting those around you who don't want to be affected by it. Like, if I drink a diet, if I drink nothing but beer and suffer because of it, at least it's just me that's suffering. Nobody else is having health issues because I'm drinking beer. But I'm a, we're going off on a tangent here. point is that cigarettes and cigars are bad. What, what about guns? Are they going to edit guns from posters? Yeah, I know. that. Right? It seems like to be the next step. I mean, but look, this was... These were posters that were made in the 50s and 60s, and smoking was a huge part of that culture back then. 
I mean, even if you watch the uh, the old AMC show Mad Men, it's a period piece from it's supposed to be a period piece show from the fifties and sixties, and every other scene you see people smoking, because that was part of the culture. <sighs> yeah, and I guess they're removing it now to fit more of the modern audience. <sighs> like, what are you giving the modern audience when you're just flat out saying that this isn't allowed? This isn't allowed. Well, what is allowed at this point? The this- message. Yeah, but what message are you sending? Are you? It's like those anti-bullying campaigns that say, "Well, we'll just ban bullying." How are you gonna ban bullying? Even if you ban it in school, you ain't gonna ban it in the real world, which is even worse. And now the kids are ill-equipped to be able to handle bullying because they were shielded from it when they were younger. I'm not saying bullies should have carte blanche in bullying people, but understand that you just can't stop it you can only teach people how to deal with bullies and the same thing with cigarettes and and cigars it's like again it it goes to the green of like what's more harmful to somebody cigarettes and cigars are guns now in the case of guns that's our second amendment right which i'm all for but it, it just seems like our priorities are ass backwards because those same people that are all about the quote unquote message are thinking that guns are evil, but apparently they're allowed on posters. I don't know. Well, this well the um, this article is claiming that the app is being inconsistent too because by the way, the um, I want to give them credit. Uh, Bondinginthecomics.com is my source. Uh, they did edit out some posters, mostly for the Western films, but yet there are some posters that have not been touched at all. Like, for example, the uh, new Sopranos film, uh, The Many Saints of Newark, the main poster has the features of the guy smoking. That hasn't been edited out. Hell, there's two Jack Nicholson films, the two Jakes, and uh, let me get the other one here. And I was naming this film, it's him as a sailor. Uh, well, anyway, he has a big cigar in his hand. That hasn't been touched neither. And The Man Who Knew Too Much, that's the main poster, the guy with a cigarette in his mouth. That hasn't been touched either. So, I don't know if they're still working on it. But they seem to be pretty inconsistent with this new rule. It's almost like a pick and choose. Well, let's do, let's do this poster, but let's not. We can't touch Jack Nicholson. What is he gonna hold? Yeah, it's like it. That's woke media in and of itself. It's like rules for thee, not for me type of deal. You got those people who claim that oh, you, you're an evil bastard because you rep blackface. But how many of those people have repped blackface? Like Jimmy Kimmel, for example. It is what it is. I, I'm, I don't know, are, are the cigarette companies just not paying Warner Brothers enough money for these ads? I don't know. I, but, I, I, but I do believe it's another example of woke media. But what's what's the message here? I don't get it. Smoking's, I, I don't know. It's just, they're just being that I guess smoking's bad. I don't know. I don't know. Smoking's That's bad. That's the problem with woke media. They're never, they're never consistent. They never like to elaborate on themselves. Yeah, so in other words, smoking is bad unless you're Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he's the exception. He's cool. Yeah, he's cool. Well, what about if Arnold Schwarzenegger holds a uh, cigarette? Yeah, and Predator. He has a his character. He has a big ass cigar. And he looks like a badass with it. We're gonna. Yeah. Are we, oh no. Well, are we gonna start start editing out movie scenes with cigars and cigarettes? Are we gonna have to edit Arnold's last name because uh, it's, people could be confused because Schwarzenegger? If somebody could put the I there and say the other word. I think Family Guy made this joke. Welcome to the the, the Blank Van Blank Show, the Dick Van Dyke. Because yeah. <laughs> the first name, last name's offense. <laughs> when the FCC took over um, the world media, that was pretty funny. That's what it feels like. Yeah, and it's just like, like you said, inconsistent. 
Well, that's that news story. Speaking of woke media. Oh! A big controversial uh, movie trailer came out over the past week from Disney from their live action Little Mermaid remake. They released a first, I guess, I don't know if this was an official trailer or a teaser trailer or whatever the hell you want to call it. But um, the trailer got over 1 million dislikes. Last time actually, I believe it was 1.5 million dislikes. It was nearly universally panned. But poor visuals and just the overall unnecessary existence. Have you seen his trailer? I have, but the first thing I want to ask is how do people know the dislike ratio since YouTube got rid of dislikes? I don't know how. I, 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 I think there is a way to find out. I don't know how because I never really bothered or went out of my way to try to figure it out. Okay. By the way, but the fact that YouTube did that, I think is stupid. Oh, I know why they did it. I, I know why too, especially, you know, with everything that's happening with today's media yeah people started disliking a lot of uh joe biden anthony fauci videos and they wanted to put a stop to it yeah whether it be for political reasons or just the direction uh woke media is going with today's movies and yeah. content think, and think about this a majority of youtubers and i'm not talking about random joe schmoes like you and me i'm talking about youtubers that have millions upon millions of subscribers People who have a voice, people who have communicated with YouTube people were saying that this was a horrible idea and they did it anyways. They were getting major YouTubers saying, don't get rid of dislikes. It's not a good idea. And YouTube didn't care. They did it anyways. And you, they just didn't just do that. They brought more attention on themselves for all the wrong reasons. But now it's a little mermaid thing. Okay, so. So, look. I'm starting to feel that Disney is secretly, well, I don't know, secretly, but I feel like Disney is almost like creatively bankrupt. Yeah, you remember the 90s? The 90s was a great decade. I, I mean, think it was, it, was, it was a great decade because even for the Disney brand, you had a lot of unique stories that were coming to life through animation. Mm -hmm. Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story. Um, well, Little Mermaid is technically, it came out in 89 or 88. Something You make sure that a late 80s film, but Lion King. Mulan, Pocahontas. You had all these great stories. Great, and these are all female lead stories too. Uh, Tarzan. I don't think this is a Disney film, but Shrek was another one. But don't they own DreamWorks? Yeah, they're DreamWorks. I think that came out 2001. That's relatively close to it. All right, so if we're going to stick with the 90s. All right, you said Lion King, which is like a classic among classic. A classic. Beauty and the Beast. I mean, the only animated film there is that ever got an Academy nomination for Best Picture. Yeah. It was, Disney, it, Disney. Was, it was a great decade for creativity and for great original stories for the most part. Even though some of those were done before, but they gave uh, it that Disney charm touch to it. But over the past almost a decade at this point, Disney feels the need. We need to do live action adaptations of our previous successful products. So we're looking back, so we're going to the past because it feels like we have no future type of way. It started with what, Mulan? Oh no, they did a Beauty and the Beast a live action film. I haven't seen it. Emma Watson, right? Emma Watson one, yeah. I heard it, I heard, I mean, it, they said it was literally a shot for shot remake, but it was like, you know, like, where's the fun? We might as well just watch the original for that case. Yeah. <laughs> said it was, it was all right, but it wasn't bad. I guess, you know, the woke media didn't get too crazy with that film yet, or they probably weren't even involved yet. 
Yeah, I only saw bits and pieces of the remake of Lion King. I uh, saw that whole movie. Um, I didn't. It just it lacked the charm that the animation film had. But be, because when you do live action, and this relates to the Little Mermaid as well, when you do when you have animation, you kind of you can do a lot more, especially when it comes to doing facial expressions on like animals. Yeah. Because it's a cartoon world, and you could do a lot more. You could see they could show actual emotion in their faces. When you do live action, all that charm is gone because you're trying to make it more realistic. And honestly, it just doesn't work. The Lion King story does not work in a live action environment. All right, yeah, because I was going to say that it's not impossible because Stuart Little kind of perfected that because the cats and Stuart Little had charm to them. Yeah, that worked because maybe because you had about one or two, I guess you only really had to do a CGI mouse and a cat. Well, that and because it was more of a comedy, whereas um, the other one that you were just mentioning, uh, Lion King, it's the whole story takes place in the jungle. There's no humans. Right, but it wasn't. It, it, it was more uh, fun with Lion King, but there was more of an epic. It was like an epic movie, an epic musical, as you would. Yeah, so, and, had a, and with the with animation, you could do a lot more because uh, it wasn't about it looking real. It was, it was supposed to look real to that environment, to that world. Yeah. But we all know it's it's an animation, so it's fake. So you could do a lot more with it, and it's more colorful. And I think it also hurt that most of the original voice actors didn't reprise their roles. One of which I understand because she passed away, but... Well, not just that. It's just... The story of The Lion King is very hard to pull off in a live-action, quotation live-action, even though it was all CGI, environment. Because you kind of lose you lose all that charm. The film is not as colorful. It's not, it's not really brought to life as with an animation movie. So the cinematography is not going to be the same. And it, when even when you look at the animals, they, can, they don't really show much facial expressions because if, if you try to make them smile or make them be sad, it's just going to look freaking awkward. Yeah. You just don't have the same creative freedom as you do with an animation movie. And the same could be said with The Little Mermaid. When you watch the original Little Mermaid film, you see how colorful the world is. You see all the, all the colorful friends, the yellow fish, the red lobster. The underwater world looks fun to be in. Everyone's friendly. That's the environment the animation movie created for Little Mermaid. All that is gone with the live-action Little Mermaid movie. What the hell's the color? It looks fucking depressing to be down there. What, what What's fascinating to me is that I looked at that little trailer. And it, and it just, it was an epiphany to me. Because the people who are on the side of defending this, they, um... Or on the side of like they feel that oh they're, they're racist because they don't want a black little mermaid i haven't even seen that yet why is it that we need to have a uh minority version of this character that was well established years ago why is it that oh well we gotta have a black little mermaid we gotta have a black cinderella we gotta have a black snow white because you know uh, inclusion, diversity, uh, the message, whatever the fuck the, the excuse they're coming up with this week. Which begs the question, is anybody going out there and saying, oh, well, we need to have a white Morpheus. Is anybody even remotely saying that? Or is this only going one way? 
Or is it only allowed to go one way? Look, white people have been guilty of whitewashing rules. We've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that does not give the excuse for the woke culture to do the same thing with all the other established properties. Ariel is an established Disney property who is a white mermaid. With red hair. I, with red hair. I'm all in that we... I do agree that we do need more diversity role, roles that have more black leads or Hispanic leads or Muslim leads. I'm all in for that. But here's the catch. I want the stories to be original. I want original stories featuring these leads. I don't want an established character like Ariel, who is for 30 years has been a white girl with red head. Now all of a sudden she's a black girl with red head. Why? That's not what we want. That's probably what the woke culture wants. That's not what real people, that's not, that's not what we want. And I feel bad for this actress, Halle Berry, because now she's caught in the middle of this crossfire. And if this film bombs, and most likely it will, guess what's going to happen? Disney's going to put up their little diversity shield. And on that shield is going to be Halle Berry's face, and she's going to get all the blame for it. I feel bad for her. I don't. And I'll tell you what. Why? How many times have we seen this where somebody is taking the role of being the black version of so-and-so or the female version of so-and-so and it gets fucking backlashed and we see the ramifications it doesn't do well in the box office it's happened so many times to the point where a an actress who has the pedigree that holly berry has should have known going in that if i take this role there's a good chance that there's going to be a backlash that is not going to end well. She had the choice to just say, you know what? I ain't going to get caught in the crossfire here because Disney wants to uh, tap into their woke uh, audience, which is, is it really an audience? Because they're not paying for any of this shit. But you would think Holly Berry would be smarter than that. But no, she took the role for whatever reason, whether it was because it paid her good money or she's part of that. I don't feel bad because it's happened enough times to where somebody should have enough intelligence to say, if I do this, this could possibly happen. Point blank. This isn't 2015, 14, whatever, when they first started making woke movies and we didn't know what the ramifications were. We're now seven years into this where we now know what happens when you make a woke movie. What is the old saying? Go woke, go broke. Well, it's happened enough times. It happened with Seth Rogen with, what's the stupid show, Santa Inc.? Yep. Yeah, so it's like, I don't feel one bit, if this was seven years ago, then yeah, I would be, I would totally be on your side. I, I did feel bad for the women in the Ghostbusters movie because that was really the first time I remember something quote-unquote woke being made. But we didn't know what would happen. It, it was a brand new experiment to go into, and they just happened to open that door to how bad that experiment can go. Now it's happened so many times with so many different pieces of media that then, any, anybody taking a, a role that was well-established many years ago should know that this could possibly happen, especially with today's climate. Luckily, today, the only one I think didn't get as much backlash was, I um, can't remember the actor's name. He played Commissioner Gordon in the new Batman movie. Uh, I, know, I know exactly who you're talking about. I can't remember his name either at the moment. Right. But I think what helped that 
was that the movie was well written, minus a couple of uh, privilege. I don't think they said white. Pri- I think they did say uh, rich privilege. So I, I, I let that go. Um, but that being said, I think because they focused more on the story than the, as you call it, the message. So the only, and then the other time would be Billy D. Williams playing as Harvey Dent. But again, focused on the story, not the message. What I was gonna say, um, I said Holly Berry. Um, I think her name is Haley Berry. The she's the main, she's a new Little Mermaid, Ariel. I think it's spelled H A I L E E, not Holly. She has nothing to do with this. Oh, okay. So then that rant was moved, but still Haley Berry, same thing. But the thing is with her, she's just a young actress. She's trying to find her breakthrough. Now it's one thing. This is what I would agree with you about not feeling bad for them. It's one thing they made an interview saying. You know, if the people don't like this, then they're just racist. They're just massages. What do they know? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not. Huh? Did they actually say that word or that? Not, quote? not her. Not that I know of. I know this, but if this has happened with Elizabeth Banks when she directed that new Charlie, that piece of shit Charlie's Angels remake, and she mm. used the word. You know. You know, we always go out of our way to see, you know, for the men to see their movies. It'd be great if they came to see our movies for once. It's like, oh fuck you! I hope you fail. Yeah, and she did. And then you got another idiot, uh, Brie Larson, who played Captain Marvel, saying the movie was not made for old white men. Okay, now you and just already alienated. Well, yeah, and now I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw a clip of if she was being interviewed. You know, would you ever come back to play Miss Marvel again? She was like, I don't know. Do people want me to come back? It's like, I, why she got to come up so fucking condescending? She makes her so so unlikable to the point no one wants to see her do anything. So. I don't know, man. They, they, these we, we live in an era where the select, where the stars blame the fans for why these projects don't work. Yeah. It's one thing. Let's say if The Little Mermaid failed, this new film. Let's say it failed and this oh. actress, Haley Berry, went on an interview and said, you know, we went into this film trying to do something different. We really wanted to make a great movie. But unfortunately, the fan, you know, it wasn't the type of movie the fan base wanted. You know, it sucks, but, you know, I'm going to try to come back for this. I'm going to try to make another great film. You know, I want to recover from this. Not putting any blame on the fans, just basically admitting failure. I would be more supportive of that. Mm-hmm. But we don't get that. We get it's the men. They're misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck you. This is why no one supports your products. Because it's not a fan service. You're using these films to almost cater to just you. And unfortunately, you is just a very, very small circle compared to majority. And then when a majority doesn't support your shit, you blame them for why it failed. And and that's the thing. You know, you'll never get better if you blame the customer all the time for not enjoying your product. Like, how do you get better saying that it's the customer that's the issue? It's like, what, what's that stupid meme uh, with uh, uh, Skinner where he's like, am I the one that's out of touch? No, it's the no, kids it's that are yeah, it's the children's fault. <laughs> yeah, just it's like, that's that's basically the woke people right there. It's in a nutshell, they don't want to take responsibility at all. I'm not saying, look, this is it's it's like with comedy, for example, stand-up comedy. I'm not saying that the comedians are at fault all the time. Sometimes you get a crowd that's just so fucking like dead. No matter what you do, you can put any comedian in front of them. They'll just be dead silent. But 
in the end, you can't have the mentality of it's the audience's fault because then you'll just never get better. You always got to have the mentality of even if you don't think that might be it. You have to have the mentality of what did I do wrong? What can I do to get better? Because that's the only way you will get better. Not this whole, oh, well, it's everyone else's fault that I, I failed. Like, come on. Yeah, but you know, overall, my main gripe with this trailer isn't even necessarily the race swapping. It's just the trailer. It just this world of the little Murray. It just looks so lifeless and dull. Where's the color? Where's where's that same atmospheric fun color that we got with the animated film? It's not. It's not there from what I saw. Yeah, it's the same thing with the. Um, we reviewed the movies on here, the Jurassic Park movies, the very first one was so colorful, so full of life, so full of imagination, so full of intelligence, too. It was like yes. a lot of thinking. The second movie, I had a huge gripe with because it was just dark. Not dark as in, like, gritty, like, uh, like the Batman movies, but just dark as in, like, this is nothing like the first film. It felt like a TV movie or a straight-to-DVD movie. I was surprised that that movie came out in theaters. Um... It's it, it, at least when Harry Potter went from colorful to dark, there was eight movies for that story to evolve. So it evolved into dark because the tone in the later movies started getting darker because Voldemort had come back, and now the, the overall tone of the whole story was getting darker because now Voldemort was getting stronger and he had an army, and now there's a war. So yeah, that made sense. But yeah, the story has to call for it. Yeah, the story has to call for it. So, it is, yeah, going back to this Little Mermaid thing, yeah, I, I really wasn't really at all intrigued by it. And for a movie that's supposed to be a, a children's movie, specifically for younger girls, I mean, maybe they'll enjoy this. I, I, I I'm not saying I'm in touch with what kids want, so. I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Again, it's only a trailer. Maybe this film will surprise us. I mean, if it's a great story, I think they could get over the whole uh, race-swapping thing. I mean, look, they race-swapped Nick Cage in the comics. He was a white guy, and in the uh, movies, he's played by Samuel Jackson. No one made an issue about it because Samuel Jackson's fucking awesome. I think that's the other thing. is that Samuel Jackson's an awesome actor, and on top of it, not that I can recall, but Samuel L. Jackson's never gone out of his way to go into interviews saying, oh yeah, no, that's that's it's the fans' fault. The only thing I've ever seen Samuel L. Jackson do is come to the defense of um, Quentin Tarantino using the N-word in his scripts. He's yeah. basically Yeah, because he was responding also, I think, to Spike Lee. Spike Lee felt like Quentin shouldn't use so many N-words. Yeah, and, and the thing that Samuel L. Jackson retorted it with was, Every character that Quentin Tarantino's ever come up with for him always had the most intelligence or the most dignity out of all the characters. So it's like if he was really a racist, he would have made me an idiot. An idiot. But he always gives me a character that has some sort of sense, common sense. That is. Yeah. So, yeah and he said, you know, Quentin, I gave Quentin the uh, the N word card. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of it, he even said that uh, apparently in. Django Unchained, his character was supposed to be even more vile than what it actually was, and the only reason he did was because he didn't want Quentin didn't want Samuel Jackson to get killed or some shit for his role. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't know what this movie. It's one of those. Just gonna have to wait and see because 
Even with the female Ghostbusters, from what I understood, it didn't. It wasn't a terrible movie. It was just plagued by the whole trailer and the response from the people who made it. It was. It was a terrible movie, not because of the race ambition, because it was a bad movie. It just wasn't funny. And then Melissa McCartney went on Jimmy Kimmel and blamed the fans. That's why I said, you know, when you, you mentioned, uh, you know, not having sympathy, I was like, yeah, I mean, not the whole cast, because I mean, they're most for the most part they were quiet, but it was really Melissa that kind of blamed the fans. I said, no, fuck you, your movie's going to fail. I don't blame all the girls involved, but I blame her. I know Leslie Jones. I don't think she said anything about the movie, but I remember he was getting hate from Milo Yiannopoulos and. She made the comment that hate speech and free speech are two different things. And it's like, well, hate speech is a form of free speech. It is, yeah. As much as you may not like it, as much as I may not like it, do I think it exists? Yeah, of course there's hatred. If there's hateful speech, you hate a whole certain group of people for whatever reason. Yeah, that's hateful. But I do not think that you should be ostracized from society. Well, let me let me back up a bit. I do not think that there should be government overreach to put you in jail because you said something like I hate all white people or something. I just think you're an asshole and I just won't associate with you. Same thing if you said I hate all black people. I would not want to associate with you at that point. Okay, now I actually I would actually say I want them to say it. So that way I know full hand I don't have to associate with that person. I don't have to pretend to like them. People don't realize you weed out the people you don't like if you allow them to say what they what they can say because those same people if they weren't allowed to say what they say they'll still feel how they feel except now they'll be more backhanded about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of way get to know them who they really are. Yeah, you get to know their true colors and then and, and it's not like silencing them is going to change their minds. They're just going to uh, express their opinions in a different way and hopefully it's not violently. So, yeah. Little Mermaid. I, don't nah, know. I, just, I mean, to me, this just feels like a publicity stunt from Disney. Look, we casted a Black Mermaid, you know, in this lead role, a character who's known to be white for the past since it, it was its incarceration. So yeah. I, I know exactly what they're doing, and it's going to work for them. They said when it's film bombs, they're going to play the diversity card and say everyone's racist for not supporting this and blah blah blah. When it's <laughs> way more than that, and I, it's it's exactly what they're doing. And, and looking at poor actors as a shield. And looking at Hal Berry or whatever her name is, my point still stands earlier, even though it's not Holly Berry. She's been active since 2006. Okay? She's 22. She's young enough to use the internet and see what's going on. She has enough wits with her, should have enough wits with her to know that if she would have accepted this role, this is what would have happened. So, I still don't have sympathy for her. Well, that's that. And we will um, get on to our next news story. Uh, Sony announces a new Karate Kid film with no involvement from the Cobra Kai cast and crew. How? How and why? Over the past couple years, we've all known about the success of Cobra Kai and how it's basically an excellent... It's, it's a great revamp show. A great revamp of an old franchise. Now, for the most part, maybe it did have a cult following, but I don't think a lot of today's audience would probably never really cared for it, nor had even seen it, until this show came out. And with the success of this show, they're going to make another Karate Kid movie. I guess a remake of a remake, maybe without Jackie Chan. Remember that one that came out a few years ago? Or a decade yeah. ago at this point. 
I remember so, that. Why they're going to make another movie without any involvement from the show? I don't know. I'm very confused by this. I mean, obviously the name has brand. It's it's a brand name, but it's really it's because of this story. And without these people involved, I don't think they're going to care to see a a Karate Kid with with a new identity without the involvement of Ralph Macchio or the or this crew. I don't see this work. I think this is done. Yeah, I agree. They should have had the at least some of the original cast. I mean, unless the, the conclusion of this series of Cobra Kai is going to end with a with a film, it might. But but uh, that but that's not what it says here. It says it has no involvement. It's going to be a whole new story, just with the same. I guess with the same theme of kid gets gets bullied, ass kicked, learns karate, wins a tournament in the end. Whoopee! Whoopee! It's not like we haven't seen that story since uh, since the '80s. Yeah, probably before that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Have fun. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, Sony. Yeah. Not. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Well, and my last new story before I pass it over to you, so you can talk about your little video game in Zelda. Mm-hmm. Well, do you remember the story I brought up about Tiffany Haddish? Uh. Getting involved with, with some kids, her and this other comedian guy. Oh, a while I, back. I may have remembered. Tiffany Haddish says she lost all her jobs. Oh, something about she molested some. Alle- allegedly, there were two separate incidents that happened in 2013 and 2014. And the kids, uh, the names have not been revealed, were age 14 and age 7. The mm. uh, lawsuit has been dropped. But the consequences of this lawsuit going public has affected her immensely. She has claimed that she's unemployed and currently has no work. Even though she, I think she does have two more movies coming out that she already filmed before this whole shitstorm happened. So, well, that is a problem in our society, especially today's society. Yes, yes, she was accused. There wasn't any real evidence yet put forth to the public. She didn't have her day in court, and now she's lost everything. Now, you said the the case is dropped. Uh, I'm reading here. Reveal she's unemployed despite her child sex abuse lawsuit reportedly being dropped. Yes. Dropped by the the plaintiffs. I'm assuming yeah, dropped by yeah. So it's like. You can't hold this over her head. She was only accused by somebody, and we don't know the reasons why they dropped it. Could it be because they were lying? Maybe. Could it be because they didn't want to go through the legal trouble? Maybe. We don't know. All we know is that she never had her day in court. Neither did the, what was the man's name? I think there was a guy involved, right? Aries yeah. Her, her, yeah, her, another stand-up comedian, yeah. Or comic, whatever. Some comedy so, guy. If she didn't do this, I do feel sorry because it's like it's not deserved. I think I've met, made the comparison of Pro Jared, guy that was accused of being a pedophile, and then three months later he showed the evidence to the contrary, and he made the point that none of you stuck by my side; you all just accused me, and it's pretty sad. I mean, she says she's relieved that the uh, the suit has been dropped, but now she's got to deal with the aftermath. 
I don't know. She she said she can't go public with her side of the story yet. I guess for court reasons. So I don't know when she's going to be able to or even allowed to ever do that. And as of right now, they said, uh, yeah, she has a Disney movie that's in post-production. That's going to be coming out soon, probably within the next year. And she was supposed to be doing some show on Apple TV. The hey, after party, whatever it is. Here's a lesson that was taught by the George Lopez show. There's one episode in particular that, um, what was her face? Carmen did not want to sleep with her, his, the boy that she was with or something like that. And then he starts going around spreading rumors that she's a whore. Well, there's one point where Carmen gets into a fight with another girl, called her a whore, blah, blah, blah. And they brought the boy in to confirm that, no, the other girl started the fight. And he confirms that he made the whole rumor up. Well, the parents go up to Carmen and like, yeah, he made the whole rumor up and he's admitted it. And now you can go back to school because she didn't want to go to school. She was getting ridiculed by everybody. And she's like, I'm not going back. And she plays a message on the phone where these kids called her up and saying, oh, yeah, we're calling up the school whore or whatever. She's like, it doesn't matter if he comes out and says, I made it all up. I'm the school whore now. Regardless how many times it can be retracted. That's how they're going to look at me and that's how I'm going to be seen as. And it got to the point where they had to take her out of that school and put her into a private school. So point of the story is is that once an accusation sticks it sticks whether it's the truth or not and that's the sad fact of our society and it's a real ugly one it's it sucks um you know best of luck to her i hope she can come back from this recover for this i mean you know that's really all i can say on that and that concludes all my stories What's going on in the world of video games? In the Nintendo world, my friend. Oh, you got one for Nintendo and one for the other company. We're just talking about Sony. <laughs> yes. We finally got the trailer. Legends of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. The sequel to Breath of the Wild coming out May of 2023. How long I have been waiting for this game. How long I've been wanting to play this game. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be magnificent. They've only shown like a minute trailer. So, and then we got Tekken 8. They showed like a teaser gameplay trailer. Just fantastic shit. Basically, with Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, it's uh, think of it like Skyward Sword with Breath of the Wild physics, where everything is so separated and you fly around. But, um, and with Tekken 8, there's not much to go by it's in the early stages but I would presume they're just going to continue the story left from Tekken 7 I don't know if Heihachi will be in it since he died in Tekken 7 so I'm excited for that I don't know what more to say other than that I finally got a release date for one of the games I've been hyping for for years now well there you have it any video game marks you're getting another Zelda game yeah, and it's Breath of the Wild sequel. That's now the name, Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom, coming soon to a video game console near you. Well, Nintendo Switch, that's it. Nintendo Switch, coming soon to the Switch.
That's right. And we're going to switch to our movie review. A Universal Monster Classic. 1954. The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Directed by Jack Arnold. Starring Richard Carlson, Julie Ames, Richard Denning. Screenplay by Arthur Ross, Harry Essex. Based on a story by Morse Zim. Let's talk about the creature from the Black Lagoon. The very last of the Universal Monster era for Universal. Came out uh, almost 20 years later after the original of, what, Dracula and Frankenstein. Those got released in the early 30s. Mm -hmm. So this this was a choice of yours to do the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes, and there's a reason behind that. So, first off, Jack Arnold. No relation to Tom Arnold. Just thought I'd point that out. Thank God. Yeah. So anyways, the reason I picked this movie is because everybody knows, well, you know, I'm an avid Universal Studios theme park goer. Love that place to death. And it seems like over the years, they've kind of steered away from what made them, which was the old horror movies. But when you go to Universal Studios City Walk, there is a section of mini golf where you can do sci-fi and you can do uh, horror. It's cheesy. It's more cartoonish. But when you go into the horror section, there's actually one uh, course. I think it's like course seven in the horror section where there's three heads of the creature from the Black Lagoon. And literally... They just squirt water at you when you go crossing the course. Quite cool. But having said that, going and seeing some of the stuff in the horror section, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, I think that's the only um, real universal character that they have in that section. I don't think I see Dracula or anything like that. Everything else is just like cartoonish bats and stuff. Uh, the, the cartoonish ghosts. Um... There's a uh, thing, a show called the uh, Horror Makeup Show. They kind of teach you how they do all that horror makeup stuff. Although they do mention that one of the best effects guys was uh, Lon Chaney. He never gave his secrets. I don't know if Lon Chaney had any involvement with this movie. I but, don't uh, think so, no. The, seeing all that made me really want to watch some of the old school horror flicks. And this was one of them. So I noticed that it was on Tubi and I was like, this would be a perfect place to be able to review some of these films. Having said that, uh, getting into this film, I didn't know what I was expecting. I did not know what this was going to be about. If it was going to be one creature from Black Lagoon or multiple creatures. But, um, after watching it, it's a really, really good horror film. Very good. It is. Um, the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon makeup look was done by Millicent Patrick. She was a female makeup artist. And uh, she used to work for uh, Walt Disney uh, Studios at the time. Uh, before this, she left there in 1941. She's done some modeling and a few other things before she uh, landed in Universal. That costume looked really well. Well done. Um, 
especially for the time because this was 1954 i don't know if i would buy it as a fish but it did definitely look like something creepy something it worked for its time definitely oh, yeah. it even works now in a way in a way yes i think definitely with it being more black and white it's more effective oh yeah if this would have been in color it definitely would have hurt it yeah i think i think the creature was green in color right so if I, if I remember this, because we watched this a couple days ago, it was basically a movie where they found a uh, mysterious webbed hand from the Devonian period. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fossilized hand. Fossil, that's the word I'm thinking of, fossil. Yeah, and, and they wanted to discover the rest of the fossil. So it was, uh, what was the character? There was a scientist... Um, it was Dave, what was it? Uh, Captain Lucas, Dr. Edwin Thompson, Carl, David, Mark, Kay. They all want to go and find more of this fossil. So they basically hop on a boat and go to the Amazon. Now, that being said, David's more of the, the reasonable one. We're only there to go get fossils. Kay's just the, the lover of David. Mark is more of a pretentious one. He wants to find the actual creature because eventually the creature's in the lagoon itself and they find him. Uh, Captain Lucas, that was what, the uh, the boat guy, right? Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, so he's... with the cigar, which will probably be edited out soon. Yeah, of course. Edwin Thompson, wasn't he the, uh, basically the, the, the twirly mustache guy? Mm-hmm. He was kind of like in the middle in this whole scenario. But there's, there's one scene in particular that really, the first thing is, is that I like that they didn't reveal the, the creature super early. They waited about a half hour into the film before they finally showed you what the creature looked like. And the way they would show the creature was, especially with Kay, because there's one part where Mark and David would always like dive under to see if they can find any evidence because they were scuba divers and they would end up finding like certain things and bringing them up. But there's one part where Kay just wants to take a swim and then there's shots of the actual creature inside the lagoon just lurking. These scenes are incredibly well done for 1954. Yeah, I Just, know the under the yeah the underwater sequences. I think was directed by someone else, but I believe this was the scene they're trying to say. This is where the uh, the creature fell in love with the girl. Mm-hmm. Creature had the hots for her. That's probably why you never heard her or never tried. Yeah, he never, yeah, he never wanted to hurt her. Yeah. But they wouldn't know that. They just see this creature, and it's just like, what the fuck? So, as they see the creature, like again. David's the logical one. He does not want to mess with the creature or kill it. But Mark wants to capture the creature and bring it back for scientific discovery. And it's just like David's trying to explain. Like, dude, we don't know what this thing's all about, taking it away from its habitat. And there's one point in particular where they actually tranquilize the damn thing and subdue it and trap him onto the boat. And this... The way this thing moves its mouth when it's in the, the, the trap is pretty fucking freaky. Like, if this thing existed, it would have freaked me out. Maybe that's why I was intrigued by this whole movie. 
Um, but eventually, the creature does escape and attacks one of the uh, the boatmen, one of the more unimportant characters, just completely eviscerates his face. There are a couple kills from the the creature. There was uh, there was a, the, tent, the tent kill. He killed those two yeah. guys. That was earlier on, and it's yeah. off screen because they don't want to show you the creature right away. So there's a point where Mark does eventually get killed in the ocean or in the lagoon, I should say, because he was just too enthralled with the idea of capturing this damn creature because he really wanted to bring it back for scientific discovery. And, and Dave is just like, dude, we got to get the fuck out of here. And eventually, uh, what is it? They, they, there's one part in particular where the, the, the creature takes the girl back to his cave. Yes. And eventually they shoot the, the the creature away and it dies in, in the ocean. Or mm -hmm. in the I should say. In the uh, yeah, the swamp lagoon, whatever. Yeah. I didn't really care for how it ended because it was just so abrupt. But everything that it did to lead up to certain points was very, 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 very well done. For the most part. And yes. this movie is a, an hour and 20 minutes. It's not huh. even a long movie, yeah. But we are talking again, 1954. Different time, different place. Um, and again, different uh, makeup effects. So there was only certain things they can get, a, get done in the 50s to accomplish what they needed to accomplish. I thought it was very well done. It was definitely very well done for his time. Um, if I had to pick a critique, I would have liked to have seen more uh, more of these scenes being shot at night. I thought it definitely it would have added more to the atmospheric tone of the film. But I understand why most of it was done in broad daylight because shooting at night is difficult, especially I guess in the Amazon. I don't know if they were actually in the Amazon or just they're just in some studios, but still, doing shooting at night is can be hard, especially if you're in the middle of the jungle. And then you can start asking the question, where's all this light coming from? Unless you could yeah. kind of light, light the scene where it's almost like a full moon outside. But there's going to have to be a full moon every night. That in the movie was black and white. That too. Like trying to film a movie or make a movie look like it was in the dark would have been harder to do. And I think it has its own charm that it's in the daylight because I would... I think King Kong was in night. Obviously, movies later on were all at night, but Creature of the Black Lagoon is during the day, so. And because of this movie, the character became iconic, so. Yeah, it was and was the last of the uh, Universal Monsters. I think, I think this was like the last Universal Monster film before the Hammer film started doing Dracula and Frankenstein. Because I think they started, they started in the mid-50s. That's where I guess we all got exposed to Christopher Lee. Yeah, I'm surprised that this was the last one. I didn't know they stopped or... Or I, I don't know if they wanted to get away from horror or for the fact they just didn't want the horror, like the Universal Monsters, to kind of be their identity. Mm -hmm. They want to just break out to do other types of films as well, you know. But yeah, but that was Universal's identity in, in those in the in that time period. They were they were the horror kings. Yeah. They did, they did that. I believe they did the uh, Phantom of the Opera with uh, Low Cheney, the Man of a Thousand Mask. Yeah. That's why I thought maybe he had some involvement since he did Universal films and he did a lot of makeup for it. No, and his as you mentioned, he never revealed his secrets. His secrets died with him. Yeah, which is crazy to me. 
but uh, I figured he did it for here because the the costume that they did for the creature from the Black Lagoon was really well done. So yeah, um, I have I did a little more information here while you were uh, going all over the plot. It was yeah. said that uh, the designer of the approved Gilman was Disney animator Millicent Patrick, though her role was deliberately downplayed by makeup artist Bud Westmore, who for half a century received sole credit for the creature's conception. Jack huh. Keevan, who worked on The Wizard of Oz and made prosthetics for Amputees during World War II, created the bodysuit, while Chris Muller Jr. sculpted the head. So I guess she must have she must have done the draft on paper what the creature should look like and probably did some work, but you know got downplayed by this other guy maybe because he was a bigger name. I mean it could be, but or maybe I, it could have been a female thing. I don't know. Whoever it was, kudos to you because this creature looked fucking crazy and still does look crazy to this day. It still looks pretty freaky. Yeah, and I mean this this definitely did feel like a fifties monster movie. Especially if you see the if you watch all the other films that came out during that time the day the earth stood still. All those fifties sci-fi horror. I mean Creature from the Black Lagoon almost fits right in there. It, I would say it feels more of that kind of film than it does feel like like Dracula or Frankenstein of like a universal monster type film. I wish that would have been a ride based on this. This would have been really cool. Because they Universal did a movie based on King Kong. Could you imagine one on the creature from the Black Lagoon, where it's attacking your boat? Yeah, that'd be cool. Be that like would... you know, almost like a swamp theme. Yeah. It would never happen because they don't really do any uh, rides based off the uh, monsters anymore. Do they, all... do they? Do they still have any horror themed rides? Uh, I mean, they have horror themed houses during Halloween Horror Nights, but uh, that's probably that's probably when they're willing to do the I guess Universal Monster stuff is during. They got Jaws. Well, I was going to say Jaws got removed years ago. Um, Velocicoaster, I guess, maybe. It's, I don't know if that would be considered horror, really. Um, horror theme? Nah. They got rid of the Terminator show. So, yeah. I, I don't think there is. Other than uh, the makeup show that I told you about. And it's not a ride, it's more of a show. Well, and that was the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I mean, since then, there's been a lot of... There has been a... The Creature from the Black Lagoon spawned two sequels. Revenge of the Creature, which came out a year later, 1955. It was filmed and released in 3D. And The Creature Walks Among, Among Us, which came out in 56. Are they revered as well as this film was? I don't think so, because I've never seen them. And I don't really hear anyone talk about them. I guess they're just kind of bland sequels. In 1982, John Landis wanted Jack Arnold to direct the remake of the film, the same director of the original. And Nigel yeah. Neal was commissioned to write the screenplay. Neal completed the script, which involved a pair of creatures, one destructive and the other common sensitive, being persecuted by the U.S. Navy. A decision to make the film in 3D led to the remake being canceled by producers at Universal, both with budgetary concerns and to avoid a clash with Jaws 3D. In 1992, John Carpenter was developing the remake at Universal. He originally hired Bill Phillips to write the script, while Rick Baker was hired to create the 3D model of the creature, but the project never got the green light. February 96, Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman was planning to direct the remake, but it never materialized. Herschel Weingrod and Timothy Harris wrote a new script, and Universal offered the job to Peter Jackson in 95, but he chose to work on King Kong instead. 
Then again, recently, I think the closest we ever got to a creature from the Black Lagoon remake, or at least the idea of it, would have been uh, um, The Shape of Water. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have not, and I don't know if it's any good. Yeah, uh, Del Toro won best. It is a good movie. Uh, Del Toro took home best director. All right, then. I, I think it took home best picture, too, that year, the Oscars. That's a good thing. I was hoping it wasn't that much of a clusterfuck. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the, I mean, a big theme it seems to be with the creature is that it's almost like a Beauty and the Beast type story in a way. Because it definitely was when it came to the Shape of Water. I mean, with the original here, you could make the comparisons. Yeah, you couldn't because it's not like the woman felt because she was confused and and anybody could have written it off as this monster was just you didn't know what he his goal intentions were because it just they were so vague, but. When you mention it, yeah, there is... Because he never hurts her. He just, like, carries her to his, his little lair. Yeah, a little lair. Probably going to do some nasty things to her. A little bounce like a bow wow. A little swam bam thing. I'm not sure how or what, but it's none of my, I don't want to know. I don't want to know too much, too many details about the creature. Well, he is the gill man, so... The gill man, yeah. Maybe she was going to play with his gills. I don't know. He's the gill man! So yeah, if, if anybody wants to, ch- I I recommend this film. I'm assuming your thumbs are up for this one. Oh yeah, two thumbs up. I would definitely say that it's a very good film. It is. Um, I also recommend The Shape of Water. If anyone uh, hasn't seen it, we probably should have done a double review of that. But I don't know if Shape of Water is streaming anywhere. Yeah. Well, that's probably the best. I think the best remake or adaptation or reimagining of the creature from the Black Lagoon story, because it does it does hit a lot of the same themes that this this original one hit. I'll probably say the new one probably did it better, huh? but it is it is still a love letter at the end to this film. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, most films are inspired in some way. Yeah, and I think that's going to do it for this episode of Fractured Skulls. Mm-hmm. So, for uh, Monoxide, I'm Turner Travis. Stay out of the water! Yeah, and uh, don't go messing with creatures, you know? Yeah, because you'll hurt its feelings, and the wolf community will be after you. Uh-huh. Maybe we should ask for uh, a gill man that's not green, but purple. Yeah, <laughs> a purple gill man. Yeah, purple. I want a purple one, or a pink, or polka dot. And, and the gill man's going to be attracted to the men. Not oh, the that's women. right. And it's going to use the pronouns, uh, uh, fee fi fo fum It's got feelings, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs>